The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. This morning, I'm going to be sharing probably a little bit different to what you're expecting or even I was expecting. I want to share some thoughts that I penned down. Um, And just follow me as much as you can. Have you ever felt that you don't belong? Or that you don't fit in? Or that you're different? Or a misfit? Everyone's keeping straight. Let me tell you a quick story of someone who grew up in a family of four. He was the younger of two boys. He was always getting in trouble, particularly when he felt he wasn't to blame. His older brother was a rebel and seemed to get away with everything. And when he did eventually get caught out, seemed to get off lightly. You know what I mean? When his younger brother did wrong, it felt like the full weight of the law was meted out upon him. Alongside, of course, the right hand of fellowship. (laughs) Or shall I say the right hand and object of fellowship. I'm glad that that's nicely coded. He didn't feel a part of the family and didn't believe he belonged or was good enough to bear his dad's surname. He was walking down the stairs one day and was thinking to himself, I'm not a part of this family. I must have been adopted. That's why I've been treated this way. This must surely be how adopted people feel. They're misfits. Experiments gone wrong for the adoptee. That thought developed through further into him concluding in his mind that yes, this is true. Nothing he seemed to say and do, however hard he tried, was good enough in the eyes of his parents. He concluded in his mind, I don't belong. I'm just an add-on, an adopted add-on. I've been a Christian for some time now, me, and I know I don't look it, and I must admit that I've had similar thoughts in relation to my walk, my Christian walk, 
you know, just not cutting the crust, just not meeting the mark, measuring up. I'm sure you know what I mean. You know, trying to walk this Christian walk and you keep falling and stumbling. Let me give you a few examples. You know, you can't seem to get into the habit of reading your Bible regularly. You know, you can't seem to get into the habit of talking to God regularly. You can't seem to get into the habit of meeting with believers regularly. You can't seem to get into the habit of meeting non-believers regularly. You can't seem to get into the habit of making disciples. Even trying to love God is a struggle. Others around you seem to be doing so well. They seem to be on it. You know, they always seem to be on fire. You see them all the time. You hear them all the time. They've always got a testimony. You know those awkward moments when you come into church and then someone, you can always overhear a conversation. Yeah, you know, I cast that demon out of that person. Yeah, I've raised that person from the dead, you know. I, and you're thinking, right, let's kind of move away and find my corner. Those kind of testimonies make you think that your own Christian life isn't measuring up. Yet, your heart longs to do the will of God. Your heart longs to be good enough. I'm sure I can't be referring to anyone here. I'm sure I'm not speaking anyone's language here. Because I'm sure under Jonathan, you've all been taught and spoken to in such a way that you're all on fire because you all come in telling wonderful testimonies and stories of the greatness and the goodness of God. You all carry around family-sized Bibles. You're all quoting scriptures. You all have big crucifix to declare to anyone from afar that you are a Christian, a child of God. You have no trouble at all in your relationship with God. I'm sure this doesn't apply to you. So I'm talking about how it applies to me. And so for the intercessors in the audience, this is your moment to start praying for this unworthy, needy Christian standing at the front, needing God's help. On your marks, get set, go. Thank you. Your prayers are always appreciated. I've had these thoughts that I've expressed to you for most of my Christian life. And I've found that these thoughts somehow have a way of popping up unexpectedly and unashamedly at the wrong times. And the worst part is I've entertained these thoughts. Sometimes I've given them room for the night, and other times a special place on the wall of my heart. At times I've developed them a bit more to make them more rational and believable. 
you know, so that I can say, this is the way I am. I seem to apply these thoughts in every area of my life. That's possible, you know, in my relationships, my career, in my leisure life. Anyway, sob story over. I was reading Romans, the first few chapters, coincidentally, after having stumbled across your YouTube channel. And I thought I'd read the first seven chapters. I do have a little bit of prophetic insight especially when YouTube is there to guide me along the way. <laughs> a few thoughts sprung up in my mind, which I thought I'd share with you. In chapter 1, verse 16, Paul states, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17 ends with, the righteous shall live by faith. You see, I readily identify with ashamed because that's what I grew up with, being ashamed. Remember, I don't quite fit in but I easily distance myself from righteous because I'm different. I'm too messed up to be righteous. Verse 18 of chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Ah. That sounds more like me. This affirms my position and the lot that's been dealt towards me by God. And then that's concreted even more in the rest of Romans chapter 1 and even in Romans chapter 2. And my position as a broken, unworthy, messed up, misfit sits nicely in those first two chapters. Chapter 3, verse 10 to 12 captured my attention. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And then to really add to it, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. These are the verses I seem to identify well with. I can so relate to them when I scan through my life. I get to chapter 4 and I realize I've got to skip over it very quickly as it applies to Abraham, doesn't it? 
doesn't it? I mean, Jonathan said yes. Someone else must have read Romans 4, or at least listened to the sermon. Who can match up to Abraham's caliber and his righteousness? Certainly not me. No point pondering on chapter 4. Got to skip on. So I do skip on to chapter 5. Chapter 5 fills me with dread as I'm finding there's no room for maneuver for my position. As verse 6 in chapter 5 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still weak. And some of us, me in person, have graduated a few times. In the university of weakness. In actual fact, have received some honorary doctorates for weakness. And that scripture continues and says, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Yeah, that's me. That's me. And furthermore, in verse 8, it says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh no. There seems to be a place that I can fit in, in God's acceptance book. That doesn't go well with my narrative. Because all my life I can't fit in. I can't fit in to God's narrative. Until, that is, when I start reading chapter 6, which is familiar territory for me. You can see that my journey through these seven chapters of Romans seems to be quite a roller coaster. I get to chapter 6. And I reflect on my continuous flow of sin, celebrating and resurrecting my old self, full of self-blame, self-pity, self-justification, self-deception and shame and indulgence in the glossy, alluring pull of a sinful lifestyle. Apostle Paul is so full of confidence, isn't he? He says in Romans 6, verse 17 and 18, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, I still am, Paul, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm not sure which imaginary person Paul was speaking to there, or which imaginary set of people he was referring to there. Because I can't identify with that. Being set free from sin becoming slaves of righteousness, I'm still struggling. 
You see, at this point, I could see a, a big divide appearing between myself and this Apostle Paul. Because he's just too optimistic. See, he, he, he's not relating to me. He's not relating to the real world. He's not relating to my world that's full of struggles that's going on in my mind. I think he knew what was going on in my mind as I continued to read right until the latter part of chapter 7, really from about verse 13. You see, the light bulbs came on in Paul's mind and he was starting to relate and identify to the real world, the real world where my struggles with sin lay. I could now see that this illustrious Paul was a human being. He struggled with sin too. In verse 15, he says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not know what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Yes, now we can be friends, Paul. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now, it is no longer I who do it but sin that dwells within me. Yes, yes. Now we can go for coffee, Paul. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, he says, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. We can go on holiday together, Paul. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. You can stay over for the weekend, Paul. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. And this is where Paul gets the gold standard in chapter 7, verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Well, Paul, it won't just be you. I'll be there too. So who will deliver us, you should say? But I realize he's asking a rhetorical question because in the next breath, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who's going to deliver him. That wasn't the ending I was expecting. Holidays canceled. Find your own dwelling. Paul ends chapter 7, though, singing my tune of self-condemnation. He says, So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. I could have easily closed my Bible there and gone to bed feeling vindicated. But I dared to read the opening verses of chapter 8. And it's as if spring had come 
and the temperature had risen from zero degrees to a warm and enjoyable 26 degrees. Everything around me and in me came alive and color started to appear in the gloominess of my mind. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now, so, so what was this that was going on in my world over all these years of my Christian life and through these first seven chapters? There is therefore now no condemnation for the, well, am I in Christ Jesus? Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, am I in Christ Jesus? Well, yes. Yes. How do I know? I know because I was given grace before the world was created. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, he says, He gave us grace in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So I wasn't even there. And he gave me grace. I was in Christ Jesus because I was chosen by God before creation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Am I in Christ Jesus? Yes, because I am loved by God with an inseparable love. And at the end of Romans chapter 8, when you read those Famous last couple of verses. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Am I in Christ Jesus? Yes. I was redeemed and forgiven for all my sins. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. In him. Let me just check again. Am I in Jesus? Well, yes, because I am justified before God. And the righteousness of God in Christ has been imputed to me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul says to the church, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Am I in Jesus? Yes, because I have become a new creation and a son of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and behold, the new has come. Galatians 3.26 In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now I know 
that adoption does not mean condemnation. Now I know that adoption does not mean being a misfit. Now I know that adoption is not a failed experiment for the adoptee. Now I see that even before I knew God, he first loved me and prepared for me to be a part of his family forever because of his love for me. He saw me and chose me to be one of his children, not to be an outsider, but to be his son and to be with his son in relationship as joint heir to all things that are his. He has blessed me with every spiritual blessing too. You know something? I was right those many years ago as a child. That story I told at the beginning was me as an eight-year-old. I was right that I must have been adopted. But I was wrong about who adopted me and what it meant for me to be part of the family. What's your story? Let's pray. I don't know if you've identified with anything that I've shared today. But I know you have a story. A story of some point where you felt rejected. You felt that you haven't been able to meet the mark. Where you felt like the outcast. Where you felt like you haven't been able to go into the party and you're looking through the window, you felt like that you're not good enough. But God wants you to know that even before the foundations of the world, he chose you. He rescued you. He redeemed you. I want you to know that you've been adopted, you've been grafted in, you've been made right before him. He has loved you with a love that you cannot replace, a love that's unquenchable, a love that's irresistible, a love that will keep drawing and calling you wherever you're at, whether it's in the depth of despair or the depth of sinfulness, his love will still keep calling you because you've been adopted. Why don't you thank God for who you are in Christ Jesus? 
Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.